0: It is time for International News Digest. We're going to be talking about the international ramifications of Donald Trump's election victory in the United States. Uh, The Paris Agreement on Climate Change entered into force last Friday, marking the first time that governments have finally agreed on legally binding limits to try and stem the rise of global temperatures. Some people fear, though, that the uh, recent election victory of Donald Trump, who is on record as a climate change denier, uh, may put the entire agreement into jeopardy. To give us some analysis, very pleased to have joining us from Middlesex University, London International Politics Instructor, Dr. Peter Hoff. Hello. Hello, Henry. Uh, thank you very thank much you. for joining us, uh, uh, Dr. Hoff. Appreciate it. Uh, First of all, with the Paris Agreement, and a lot of people have been making comparisons in the past to failed multilateral frameworks like at Copenhagen or in Kyoto, uh, was this uh, a significant agreement for you?
1: Yes, it certainly was. Um, In some ways, the agreement seems to lack some of the sort of drama of the the Kyoto Protocol in terms of agreeing on very clear cuts. But I think, in fact, that's actually the strength of the agreement, Um, It's the first globally legally binding commitment to cutting greenhouse gases because Kyoto, of course, wasn't global. Many countries, uh, including the U.S., failed to take part in that. Mm. Um, So I think it is a very important step forward, uh, and it represents the culmination of a process going back to the the U.N. Framework Convention in 1992 and, indeed, the negotiations um, before that.
0: In terms of how people were, uh, I suppose finally saying we have something that can do some uh i suppose lasting change uh, despite certain climate scientists perhaps saying maybe it's a little too little too late Um, Mm. it was important that the global community get together and actually try to address this issue Uh, were there things in this agreement that allowed people to perhaps backslide or even maybe have a loophole that they can kind of get out of
1: well that that is one of the the main concerns as i say The Paris Agreement, in some ways, does appear at face value to be weaker than, for example, the Kyoto Protocol. Um, There is the potential for backsliding. In particular, this is a piece of soft law, um, as uh, as it's expressed, the idea that there are no um, clear sanctions on any countries that don't live up to the obligations. Um, It relies really on the naming and shaming process. There are no specific targets for emission cuts in the same way as there was with the Kyoto Protocol. And there's no specific time frame. Okay, there's, there's a, a general commitment that countries will seek to um, uh, achieve the targets that have been set on an overall level of avoiding global average temperature rising more than 1.5 degrees C. But that's not until a, a fairly loosely specified time between 2050 to uh, Twenty one hundred, and also a commitment that countries will look to peak in terms of uh, carbon emissions as, as past the peak as soon as possible so there is a there is a, a, a potential problem there in that um, ultimately the agreement relies on a kind of naming and shaming process that countries will be exposed in um, what are going to be stock taking exercises every five years. So to some extent it relies on the goodwill of countries mm. to to you know, take part in the process. Um, so it, it it lacks some of the specificities, which is, is is one of the um is one of the concerns. Uh, but nevertheless countries will be expected to produce national climate action plans which will be reviewed every five years. And there is a commitment to um, to pledge at the very least 100 billion U.S. dollars uh, in climate finance that will be used to help less developed countries. So that, that, you know, there are commitments there, um, but to, to some extent there is, you know, there is always the danger that um, in the long term countries will be able to sort of drag their feet on all of this.
0: Right, and uh, perhaps I was making a mistake earlier uh, uh, discussing this. I was referring to the Paris Agreement in the past tense. (laughs) And uh, perhaps uh, it was a Freudian slip or something in the subconscious. But uh, the reason why I wanted to ask you about how how stringent or how firm uh, it was, and you mentioned the naming and shaming, but uh, we have one major player, perhaps the biggest player uh, as a part of this agreement, the United States. Um, This was, of course, agreed upon yeah. and signed uh, during the current barack obama administration we have a new incoming uh, president-elect uh, who has been on record as saying that climate change is a hoax uh, uh conjured up by china in order to uh, boost yeah. their exports how worrisome is the factor of donald trump coming into the presidency to the viability of this paris agreement succeeding in the long term is it for you
1: it's obviously a concern, um, as you say. He's he's, he's made uh, those comments, and of course, his key adviser uh, on environmental issues, Myron Ebel, is on is on record as being very sceptical about climate change, which of course is, is an increasingly um, obscure position mm-hmm. to be taken. But but nevertheless, it's there. So it's a concern. But I think we do need to to think about this clearly. And and one of the reasons I've suggested that this is Um, a good agreement, in spite of the fact that there are the potential dangers of backsliding and there are the sort of loopholes there, is that um, it's about momentum. And I think um, over time it will become apparent that simply withdrawing would not really be in the US's interest. Hmm. Uh, for, For a start... The U.S. simply can't unilaterally withdraw, you know, as as soon as, uh, you know, next week or in January or whatever. Uh, They are a party to the agreement. I know there are some internal legal issues about that, but as it stands, they are a a legal party. So they they would technically have to wait until 2020. That's not to say they couldn't drag their feet. Uh, And, there's there's, of course, there are already suggestions that... um, a Trump administration will look to water down Obama's um, agreements that are already in place on, on uh, improving um, cuts to uh, car- carbon emission cuts by 28% per- by t- 2025. That's al- already being challenged by some of the states and some of the companies and ultimately could be defeated in the Supreme Court, particularly, of course, if uh, the court features some of Trump's uh, new appointees. Right. So the, the, there is a danger of that, but I think in 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 reality um, the US can't simply pull out of it. Um, and the hope is that being part of that process will you know will lead to uh, them playing a, at least a reasonably um, constructive role in all of this. Which of course the US hasn't in the past in any case. So. You know, I I, I mean, it's it's difficult to be entirely sure what will happen. But uh, my hope is that it won't lead to the unraveling of the agreements and that the U.S. will play more of a role in this than people might imagine
0: as as you point out um, it will become apparent to uh, at least uh, the more sober minds of of the this future administration who would be uh, coming up with any kind of strategy or policy in regards to the paris agreement that uh, they would have to meet their international obligations he might have domestic pressure he might feel that he has a mandate from a certain segment of his population that will uh, push him very hard to actually honor this campaign pledge and, and and abandon this treaty but in terms of that international uh standing and and um his uh, the role of the United States in terms of keeping their word in an agreement like this is it possible that other countries could band together and sort of in an indirect way kind of offer or kind of pressure them with a quid pro quo where you we can give you some cooperation on terrorism or or issues like trade that are important for you but we need you to be on board with paris could could that happen could that be feasible
1: I think, it, I think it is possible, yes. I mean, it might not be as explicit as a, a quid pro quo, but certainly that's the nature of international diplomacy and negotiation. And, and I think this is the beauty of the agreement. This is why this kind of soft law um, agreements can be quite effective, um, because governments have to think about their reputation. Uh, they have to think about their reputation with other governments and also, as you as you indicated, with, with their own people. Um, you know, there's no doubt a U.S. withdrawal or backsliding would be bad for the agreement, as it might give encouragement to other countries that have sometimes appeared a bit sceptical, like India or Australia or, or Russia. Um, but, but but, as you say, um, in, in the long term, it will become apparent that if the U.S., is to become some sort of pariah over this, which, you know, it, it probably would be. Mm-hmm. That would not be good for, for, for diplomacy and business. You know, that would, that would um, damage their uh, their ability to be able to work with other countries, which even in a more isolationist U.S. administration, which we will probably see, they will still need to cooperate right. with, within the World Trade Organization or in, in tackling ISIS. So, yes, I think, um, I think, you know, pressure from other countries... Will will be significant on this, and I, and I think will uh, will be a factor, you know, despite what people think about um, Trump, you know, the, when the administration comes into power, this will be the reality of what they deal yeah. with, and and yeah, they they will need to, uh, you know, to, to keep good face and, and cooperate with countries in a in a constructive way.
0: All right. Well, uh, we will leave it there, Dr. Hopp, Thank you so much for okay. joining us. Appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Henry.